We have a special guest today. If you were here last February, you had the privilege of hearing our brother Tommy Moore preach. If you weren't, boy, you're in for a treat today. 30 years in Christian ministry, published author, pastored numerous churches, and his book is available in the back, New Jack Preachers. That gets you jazzed up, doesn't it? I'd like to welcome our brother Tommy Moore up to the stage. Thank you, my brother and friend, for those kind words. Good morning, brothers and sisters in the Lord. I am encouraged at the same time challenged because of time restraints to do what God has put in my heart to do as it relates to his word, as it relates to the season that we are in. Well, it's always good to be in a place where they are worshiping the Most High God. It's also good to be in a place where you are open to receive the instructions from God's Word through His Holy Spirit, through His Deliverer, Messenger, who at the same time as He's giving the Word, the Word is cutting Him also. So pray with me, if you will. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we do bless you again for this opportunity and time to open your word and glean some thoughts and insights. We thank you for what you have already done and accomplished through your word preached and read. And we pray that it would grow us, Lord, to be continually seekers after the truth and also deliverers of the truth. Examples of what the truth can do once the truth takes hold. We bless you for here, my brothers and sisters. Thank you for our brother and pastor, Mike, and his family as they are away. Encourage his heart. We thank you again for this opportunity. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight so that at the end of this gathering, we will leave inspired, encouraged, and challenged, and determined to do what does say it, your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's get right to it. If you would turn to Luke, the 17th chapter, Luke, the 17th chapter, I want to preach for the remainder of our time, uh, Luke, the 17th chapter, starting at verse 11. So if you have it, say amen. Man, y'all, you guys are pretty good. Okay, here we go. My version reads, On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. And he entered a village. Ten leopards approached him, keeping their distance. They called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, They were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was being healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? 
Then he said to him, go, get up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This morning, I want to speak a little bit about being grateful. Being grateful is true thankfulness testified. Let me say that again, because you probably missed it. Being grateful is true thankfulness testified. Anybody know what the testimony is all about? Nobody? Only one person knows what a testimony? You know what a testimony... Listen, let me just back up, pause for a little moment. You remember last time in February, I like interaction, I like you talking to me. This is not a lecture. I'm not going to lecture you. I'm not going to stand here and get myself self-excited because I'm already excited. But I want to encourage you to see the text as it comes to life. Put yourself in this day and age. Now, when you are testifying, you're given a witness of something that either has happened or happened to you. Amen? So now we're on the same page. A good working definition of being grateful is true thankfulness testified. Another way of putting it is bearing witness with the right attitude of appreciation expressed. Let me say that again. Another way of putting it is the right attitude appreciated being expressed. So in other words, when someone does something to you, you not only just say like the noun of what thankfulness have meant to have grown to be in America or across maybe this world, it's just thank you. It's become a noun. It's become really uh, uh, consumerist. You know, we always get the commercials now of what it means to have a thankful holiday. All across. I mean, we're in that season now, and this is the reason why I believe God has put this message on my heart this morning. It's because, you know, we are now in a dawn of consumerism that says this is now a time for you to be happy. Get happy. Thanksgiving, and then after Thanksgiving, Christmas. Oh, how many can't wait. Oh, I remember as a little boy growing up, and uh, you were told about Santa Claus, and I couldn't wait until Santa Claus was coming. Well, this is about Thanksgiving, right? Well, Santa Claus is coming, too. But at any rate, I wanted a tricycle. And I would be saying, I want a tricycle. Everybody got one in the neighborhood. I want one. It's hard for us to get tricycles, but Dad was the type of industrial type, industrious type of man that he would try his best to please his children, especially his baby boy. <laughs> so I couldn't wait. The next morning, got up, came around, and I got up and I saw the tricycle. And when I saw the tricycle, I didn't just jump on it and didn't say, "Oh, I got a tricycle." I thanked my dad. And I thanked him in such a way that it was all type of emotions through my body. This is true. Thankfulness testified. Oh, you remember the time when someone says that they love you? Oh, they did more than that, but they gave you a gift behind that love. What did you do? Did you sit there and say, well, thank you. I really appreciated that. Now, some of you might have done that. And that's okay. But inside, you were boiling up with thanksgiving. Being grateful is about 
the feeling and the showing of doing the right actions of appreciation. You see, it's not just enough to say to someone, thank you. Thank you for helping me out. There should be some emotions behind this. In order to express the type of gratefulness I believe that God looks for, for us to have as his children, we must see a need, have a desire, and be willing to pay the price of what it means to be thankful. And so we're going to use this story of the Tim Leopards to sort of draw out what type of thankfulness I believe God is looking for. Let's run back up to verse 11. It says, on the way that to Jerusalem, Jesus was on his, he was going through the region of between Samaria and Galilee. Now, you must understand the relationship of the Samaritans and the Jews that were in Galilee. It was pretty hostile. It was, it was the haves and the have-nots. It was the Hatfields and the McCoys type of relationship. It was the privilege and the unprivileged type of relationship. Well, Jesus, we find Jesus going through this region. But according to verse 12, as he's going to this region, these ten lepers, they began to approach him, as the scriptures say, but at a distance. Because I don't know if you know the Levitical law. It says that when you are a leopard, you are cast away into a community and when you see someone who is not in your village or community approach you have to yell out unclean unclean well these 10 lepers somehow or another they heard that this messiah jesus was coming through now i don't know if they knew how he looked or what but they knew that this was jesus Somehow or another, maybe it was the clothing he was wearing. Maybe it was the way he walked or something. I don't know, but they knew that this was the Jesus. But we find that even though these lepers, now if you know anything about leprosy or leprosy type of disease, it's the type of disease that is defiling and contagious of the skin. And it gets to a point where if, if it continually grows, your, your, your body parts are numb. And you have no feeling, sensation, whatever, and you're smelly. This is the type of community that these ten lepers found themselves in. Sin is like leprosy. It separates, doesn't it? When we see people doing wrong, for the most part in general, we tend to back away from them. But these ten lepers, they saw something that they needed in a person named Jesus. So here we see, they, they, they saw a need to be thankful. So the Bible says in verse 12 that as they saw Jesus coming, they began to cry out in a loud voice. Is that not what the Bible says? In verse 13, look at it again. It says, they called out saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, you got to understand the reason why these lepers got indignant. They're in this community and they are on a life to death situation. They know they're going to die and 
possibly a painful death. And for the first time, they hear the news that this Jesus is coming through. And so when they see him at a distance, they go as far as they could and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, I know what you're thinking. I wouldn't have done that. Really? How many have been in terrible situations? Not many in this crowd. God brings some terrible situations in their lives. (laughs) And you begin to see that there might be an answer over there. And you begin to either go towards the answer or pray that God will bring that situation to your your forefront. And you can begin to have some relief. What do you do? You try to do whatever you can. You bargain. You make promises. If you've been in pain, you know what I'm talking about. God, if you would only take this pain away, I promise I will. You've never been there, huh? Just me. Okay, I'm sorry. Just me. God, help me. I understand these lepers and why they became so boisterous and and out of control. For the first time, they see an opportunity I can get out of this situation. And so the Bible goes on to say, as they raise their voice, they begin to say, and I believe that this whole idea of being a Samaritan and a, quote, Jew, what Samaritans would consider half-breed, Jews were full-bred. They never really entangled or engaged in communication or conversation. But now they find themselves having to come together. And so collectively, they say, this is how we're going to do it. No more separation. Why is it that pain is what causes us to come together? Think about it again. I've said this before and I'll say it again. When there's tragedy in America, America begins to come together, doesn't she? When there's tragedy in the church, we tend to come together, don't we? So it means that God knows how we are, and so he uses the pain and the uncomfortable circumstances to draw us together as a community. So they, 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 they saw a need to come together in their life and death situation. And then they had a desire. The desire that they had to be thankful was crying out. Now, this was not common for the full-bred Jew to cry out in a loud voice because they were so dignified. We don't do that. (laughs) We don't do those type of things. That's only for those type of people. But now they find themselves in this situation where they have to depend upon one another. So my question on the table this morning, among some other questions, is how well are you being thankful as a community? No, not as an individual. It's easy to do it as an individual person. Are you thankful? Oh, yes, for sure. I'm thankful. 
but now as a community, because God believes in community. He believes in the people of God coming together and the people of God doing his will, his business together. How thankful are you? Is that such a sacred time that even as God's people, you don't commune with one another? Because that's my family time. I know what America has taught us is a time for family, but what about the family of God? When do the family of God come together other than on a Sunday morning or a business meeting to have community, to have fellowship, to have thankfulness? When? Too much, so let's move on. Jesus Master, have mercy on us, they plead. See, they saw desire. They saw Jesus. Jesus, they come to him, and they were willing to pay the price. They got indignant together, and now are they willing, as the scriptures would say, pay the price? Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, when they saw him, uh, he said to them, go, and show yourselves to the priests. And when, and as they went, I'm sorry, and as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, he saw that he was healed. He turned back, praising God with a loud voice. Now, the pain of price. See, this, go and show yourself to the priest. That was the Levitical law. You, once you're clean in the, from the leprosy community, you go and you have a ceremonious type of situation that the priest deem you clean to get back in regular community. They were willing to pay the price because they had to, number first, or number one, rather, they had to obey the words of Jesus. Now, Jesus could have healed them right then and there, but he didn't. Because he wanted to prove a point. He says, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, they weren't healed until they started walking. That's faith. But they had a quasi-faith, I want to say. They had a quasi-faith as ten lepers. They had a quasi-faith that said, well, yeah, maybe he is the right one. I'm not sure I heard about him, but I'm going to do it just in case because I want to be healed. And so as they start walking, the reason I say they had a quasi-faith is because one noticed that this is the real deal. Hey, my skin has changed. I look good. I got to tell somebody. And so he turns around, the Bible says, and he goes back to who? Goes back to Jesus. Now, just in case you think it's out of line to get loud and to get boisterous and to get excited about who you are and what Jesus has done to you, let's look at the text again. Look at verse 16. The Bible says, I'm going to back up to the other part of 15. He praised God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at the feet of Jesus and he thanked him. Do you see in your mind how that might have looked? Anybody? Can you see how he might have prostrated himself in front of Jesus? He comes. He's healed. He's clean. He goes down loud praising God. What happens? What would happen if all of us in this room? Here we go again. 
We're to do that. If you're truly thankful about what we just shared, the blood of Christ, the body of Christ, how thankful are you? I'm, I mean, I, see, I get a little bit indignant and, and my time runs from me because when I think about the goodness of God and what he's done in my life and where I should be and I'm not, I get excited. And I can get excited in public, too. And that's what we're going to talk about, about willing to pay the price. I get excited. I don't care who thinks I'm crazy or out of place or he's a weirdo, he's a Jesus fanatic. But I should not be felt like I'm out of place. I remember, oh, Jesus, he keeps taking me back only to bring me forward. This whole idea of being different didn't mean much to me. Why? Because I was considered different anyway. In my high school, no one really talked to me. In grammar school, they didn't talk to me. They picked on me. And as I became an adult, things began to change. But it wasn't until I identified my life in Jesus and what Jesus did for me and got excited through thanking him, not just saying, oh, I'm thankful for God and what he's done in my life, but really being a person who acted out his thanksgiving that I begin to see things change. I know some of you grew up in a culture where this is not appropriate. But I'm telling you, it's wrong. It's wrong for us to tell people that they need to be quiet when God has done a transformation in their heart. Amen? I know everybody don't agree with me. But he says... Jesus, and I'm sort of at-libbing, thank you for healing me. And Jesus says, Samaritan, he says, weren't there 10? In other words, how many in this crowd, about 100? Weren't there 100? Only one? Where are the rest of the 99? How come no one's excited about worshiping me? How come no one is uh, getting up and, and doing what I like? Now, just in case you think Jesus is against all this excitement, we see him confirming this when he tells him to get up and go his way. He said, your faith has made you well. This is why Paul can say it to the Thessalonians this way. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. In all circumstances, give thanks. Don't just wait for Thanksgiving to give thanks. I, there's a song that a songwriter wrote back in the day. It's called Be Grateful. And it talks about God desires all of us to be thankful and grateful. Not just in our good times, but also in our bad times. When things are not going the way that they should be going as a Christian. My relationship with my husband, it ain't right. I don't feel like being thankful. God said, thank me anyway. Because it could be worse than this. When my relationship with my wife is not going right, God says, be thankful. 
Because it could be worse when my children are acting out or my parents are acting up. God says, be thankful because it's worse. It could be worse. There's always a situation worse off than your current situation right now. Oh, you don't think so? I can take you to places where your this situation is worse off than whatever you think your situation is. And I know what you're saying. Oh, it's relative. Yes, it is. But it's real. This whole idea of being willing to pay the price this is why uh, James can say it this way, to count it all joy. Thank you, God, that you have allowed this situation to come my way because now you are able to use me to bring glory to yourself. I bet you didn't think that was what this was all about, did you? This is being grateful. And this is how you get to a point where your thanksgiving become a testimony. If you don't have anything this morning to be thankful about, you're looking at the wrong people in the wrong situation. If you can't thank God for your current situation, you're looking at it all wrong. I'm telling you. As a man who's now, I'm giving my age, because uh, there's no problem for me, 53, God willing, January 54, I know I don't look it, don't act it. He should be a little slower, slow down, you look too much energy. But you got to know where I'm from. From the places that I've come from, I see God's handiwork. At times, I wasn't thankful for all the stuff that happened, the negative stuff, the bad stuff. But I'm thankful now because I see his hands in it. My situation was not well with mom, but boy, I'm so thankful that he allowed me to see what he was doing in me. Not her. I had the problem. Not her. I thought she should do what I wanted her to do. That's not how it works, children. Young adults, college students, just call mama, daddy, put some money in my bank account because it's low. That's not how it works. Maybe mama, daddy need to let you struggle through that so you now can depend and learn to depend on God. See, I like that. I said amen. I believe that's good. We've bought too much into this American system. God is trying to teach us as Americans something. He wants us to have dual citizenship, but when we allow our American citizenship to trunk heavenly citizenship, that's when we got problems with God. God said, you're not willing to pay the price anymore. Oh, because you've elevated to a place where you've got a large enough bank account that a tragedy strikes on you. Ain't no problem. I just go into my reserves. Hmm. Who am I really trusting? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I step on some toes? I'm your brother. Don't forget. The last time I told you in February, I can say these things because I truly love you. Like I love myself and the people that God has brought in my life. All I'm saying is that we have to, as God's people, we have to learn to be grateful through true thankfulness that testifies. Where are you this morning? Where is your 
thankfulness. Would, good, would, would Jesus say to you, like he said to the one, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Would he be able to say that? Are there some things in your life that you're still holding on to? That you're not thankful for? Somebody you have not forgiven that God says, let it go. Get it right. I mean, some people who have done you wrong. I mean, I could tell you some stories of brothers and sisters who have done me wrong. More brothers than sisters. And they look like you. And God says to love them. And be thankful that I chose you to be the one that they would do this to. Because I can use you now to go back in their life and show them it's all right. I still love you. What is God saying to you this morning in this season of being thankful? When the turkey is already cooked and the pies are done and we're sitting back and we're watching our football or sports game, having conversation, is the person that should be around that table there? Or are they not there because you've decided I'm not going to deal with them anymore? Be thankful because there's someone else who's worse off than you. Be thankful. And God, through the person of Jesus Christ, will say, your faith has made you well. God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you, Lord, that this whole idea of being grateful is about thanksgiving or thankfulness being expressed. That means being testified. I thank you for the story of this ten lepers, Lord, on how that nine walked away and one came back glorifying you, thanking you for what you've done. May that be in our hearts mind, Lord. May we continually learn how to thank you regardless of our situation because you know exactly what you're doing and what you allow to happen. May we say this from the depths of our hearts. And I thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen.